Welcome, family, friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling. I am your host, Casey Corbin. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we got another great episode for you today. Holy moly, let me tell you. Hey, folks, before I get into telling you all about it, let's talk about a few other things. Let's talk about uh, where you can catch us on the social media. You can catch us at on the twitter at tnw pod on twitter on instagram we are talking wrestling podcast on instagram and you want to send us a gmail or an email or whatever you want to call it snail mail i don't care send it to talking wrestling at gmail.com uh folks remember uh to rate review and subscribe uh we are doing the contest where if you gave us a five-star rating on itunes and a review you get to pick a postcard from the 80s of wrestlers and we will send it to you last week we sent out a postcard to john brenner i did not even tell you what his review was and i have it right now and i'm just going to tell you this is a fantastic review okay let's just start out it's about time that's what the review is titled now john brenner must know me because it's about time is uh the lead track off of van halen's 2004 best of both world's greatest hits and anybody who knows me knows not only do i love talking wrestling i love talking van halen i see that i'm like that's five stars right there i don't even have to read the review but you know what i go on and i read the review and this is what it says anybody familiar with casey that's me uh knows this guy was meant to be a host of a podcast i didn't even know as a recurring character on the brilliant we watch wrestling this feels like a spinoff of sorts i have to agree um but not uh, to the no, oh i love this but not the ropers to three's company but more like the jeffersons to all in the family oh yes moving on up it will appear to the same audience but its own thing you might as well jump another van halen reference right there boom uh into this delightful podcast folks i'm no Meltzer. seven star review on that review that's what i give it and we sent out his postcard last week and when he gets the postcard hopefully he'll take a picture with it and uh, we can put it up on our instagram and you can see what wrestler is the first to go we're sending out another postcard this week that's right and this postcard wow it's got a way to go it's going all the way to the uk and uh it is uh from uh who is it from let me read this here it is by i'm uh paul Heyman. oh i'm a paul Heyman guy oh my god would i be ever terrible with bumper stumpers yeah i'm a paul Heyman guy 23 i'm going to be contacting you getting your deets and uh, you're going to get a wrestling postcard sent across the pond and a very simple review fantastic thank you that's awesome heard of casey a few times on the triple w podcast and now he has his very own podcast roll on the stories you know what guys Guys, I appreciate the feedback, and that's why I'm giving back to you with these postcards. These postcards are vintage, and they're awesome. There's only one postcard that I probably won't separate with because it's a little creepy. But 29 postcards in this postcard book from Wrestling of the 80s is awesome, and I want you all to get these reviews in to get the postcards. Folks, 
with that said, it's time to get on to the show. Um, my guest today is uh, no stranger to anyone in Toronto. Very, very popular personality. Rudy Blair of Rudy Blair Media is here. Rudy, thanks for joining us on Talking Wrestling. Are you kidding me, man? I am stoked and so thrilled to be on this podcast because I don't do a lot of podcasts. In fact, I don't really do any podcasts, period. But... What you're doing, what you're doing for wrestling, I mean, this is the real deal. I've listened to your stuff, and I said, like, I sent it out. I was like, I got to be on this show. Oh, well, that's fantastic. That's so great to hear. Big fan of yours, man. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, let's get into it. Where did you start your wrestling journey? What was your first uh, premonition of it, and who got you into it? And what are your memories of that? Oh, my goodness, man. Being here in Toronto back in the, like, you know, late 60s, early 70s, and 80s, I was one of those group of guys who would, on Saturdays and Sundays, watch all kind of wrestling. You know, in the morning time, you watch the Calgary wrestling that was going stampede. Mm-hmm. Uh, later on, you watch the uh, Mid-Atlantic wrestling slash the Hamilton Maple Leaf wrestling. Dun, 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 yeah. Watch that. Went over, flipped the channel. Uh, Vancouver wrestling. You used to watch that. Then later, on used to watch the Grand Prix wrestling from Montreal, of course, with the Rougeau family yeah. and Dino Bravo. Then you waited later on because uh, you had the NWF that would come on with Johnny Powers. Yeah. Uh, you would watch that. Then later on at night, if you're up uh, late enough, you're watching the WWF with you know Bob Backlund, Bruno San Martino, uh, Killer Kowalski, yeah. Superstar Billy Graham, and those guys. That would be like just a Saturday for me. And then Sundays, if they had more Mid-Atlantic wrestling, if they had more Maple Leaf wrestling, I would watch that. I was the guy who would go to Maple Leaf Gardens on the Sunday when we used to have it every two weeks. I'd pay like two, three bucks for a ticket. I'd get my program. I'd go by myself. Yeah. Sit there and I'd watch Wrestling. I bought the magazines when they came out every month. Pro wrestling, uh, wrestling superstar. I bought them all. And I, I was just, the exact same. I loved it, man. I mean, it's it was just it was just so much fun. And uh, as I grew older and I got into radio, I was lucky enough to have my own wrestling radio show that was on CKO. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it was called Ring Warriors, and uh, I had a chance to hook up with Jack Tunney. Oh, my God, that would be sweet. And he hooked me up with the wrestlers. So I got a chance to, like, Don Morocco, I got a chance to interview. Shoot, now now names are um, um, Coco Beware. Coco Beware. You know, I got a chance to interview him. Um, I'm thinking of, uh, uh, who was the guy again that used to say he was uh, Canada's greatest athlete? Iron Mike Sharp. Iron Mike Sharp. I had a chance to interview him. So I had a chance to interview a lot of those guys. Then I started to sort of branch out. There was a show that was on just for a short time that was on uh, CTV, and it was called Learning the Ropes. That has been mentioned throughout this series uh, numerous times, at least two or three times we've mentioned it. Lyle Azato as the teacher. Well, I was lucky enough to hook up with those folks, and every time they would have an episode, I was there, and I got a chance to interview the wrestlers from there. So, the Rock and Roll Express, I got a chance to interview the Road Warriors. Oh my God, that was, was the next one I was going to say. The Road Warriors, please tell me the Road Warriors. Yeah, the Road Warriors, Stan Lane, I got a chance to interview, Ivan Koloff, I got a chance to interview, the Fantastics, I got a chance to interview, and these are all, you know, people I'm taking pictures, Ron Simmons. And you know what's amazing is that these people just came up 
to do the acting in it and never wrestled in Toronto. Exactly. We never had NWA. Like when that show was on, I I watched that show to get my NWA dose because I everything about NWA I pretty much read through the magazines. Mm-hmm. Cuz it was like in the 80s for me when it was growing up, WWF had totally taken over and especially Canada pretty much. So that's all we got. Now I still got La Lute International, the Grand Prix Montreal wrestling, and I still got Stampede, but I didn't get oh and Angela Mosca used to host a show called Pro Wrestling Canada. Yep, for a short time. Short that time. was like him and Milt Adverskin from Montreal Wrestling. Yep. They were the hosts of it. And they sort of did a, a mixed bag of everything, much like Ed Whalen's Pro Wrestling Plus that was on TSN later. Right. Um, like this is all the other stuff that you don't see outside the WWF. And uh, it was like that for me as well. Yeah. And it's fantastic. Except I didn't get to do a bunch of interviews and I never had access to maple leaf gardens so because today i drove by it the other night and i was like i said to my buddy is i was like do you have any idea how many wrestling matches have been wrestled in there by how many great wrestlers he's like you know i don't like wrestling i'm like yes but i feel i have to say this anyways as we're driving by because you're from out of town (laughs) it was you know what uh it was so much fun and i'm not knocking the wwf but i'll tell you something as an NWA fan, mm-hmm. and I mean hardcore NWA fan, when the flip happened to WWF, it hurt. Because back then, you felt that WWF was more like this kind of cartoonish. Yeah. What wasn't real. Whereas when you had the NWA, guys were beating the hell out of each other in parking lots and stuff. You didn't know what was going to Exactly. You didn't know what was going to be happening. With the WWF, it was just more like, you know, fluff, acting, and things like that. Characters. Yeah. And mind you, the NWA had characters, but they were more realistically based, right? Right. right. And the other thing, too, was, again, I used to go every two weeks. Don't you dare touch that dial, you know? Every two weeks, I used to go down to watch wrestling, whether it be the Love Brothers, whether it be Steamboat, whether it be Ric Flair defending his U.S. title against Jimmy Snuka. Like, I was there to watch these things. Harley Race, I still remember I was in awe to see Harley Race walk into Maple Leaf Gardens with his NWA belt. Back then, you know? it was like that because they were all territories and they all helped each other. Exactly. Before Vince Sr. came, I mean, Vince Jr. came in and just said, okay, I'm going to take everything in a new direction. Exactly. And when they did that, I wasn't happy, but I was will say this much when the first wrestlemania happened and i got a chance to watch it and i got a chance to wear a hulkamania t-shirt there was just something that went wow i can actually do this whereas before it was almost like you were a fan of wrestling but it was still kind of underground yeah so but when you got a chance to wear a hulkamania shirt and you saw somebody else wearing one that's when you started going hey this is all right this is cool now people want to come to you and ask you hey so what's this guy about whatever the only thing i didn't like though was i remember uh doing an interview with jack tunney and i remember asking how was it that hulk hogan could get that title match against the iron sheik when he just got there because he left the AWA and he went, no, no, that that never happened. No, he was always with the WWF. And I'm thinking to myself, 
okay, I'm not even going to argue about this because I know he just came from the AWA and he had his problems with Vern Gagne. It's like, yeah. don't argue with a guy who's knowledgeable about yeah. wrestling, you know? But they were just so about the kayfabe and everything else. They just didn't want to say what exactly is going on. I'm glad now things are more open and you can talk more about what, what's happened oh, back yeah. in the day. Yeah, of course. It's like, you know, because Hogan was in the WWF or WWF uh, and he was a heel. Yeah. And then he got the opportunity to be in Rocky three mm-hmm. and he went to Vince senior and asked if he could get that time off. And he said, you're, you're a wrestler. You're not a movie star and no. And then, so he had no choice but to quit and go do the movie and he made the right choice. And then he sent the promo uh, shot of him and Rocky back to Vern Gagne and like, yeah, that's money. Bring this guy in. He's going to come off a movie. Like, I don't understand how Vince Sr. could not foresee that if Vern Gagne had the ability to foresee it. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this is money. Because Hulkamania did not start in the WWF. No. Hulkamania ran wild all through the AWA. You could ask Nick Bockwinkle. He was the victim of it. You know, that's where Bobby Heenan and Hogan started going at each other. And then they just moved Everything like they took all the best pieces from the AWA and moved them over to WWF, and that's where it started. Exactly. And I, I was a big AWA fan. Same here. Same here. Nick, I love all the wrestling. Same here. And I actually forgot about that too. I also watched the AWA that would be on global television or even on TSN for oh, sometimes TSN. too. Like later on for you, but like when I was young, I watched them on uh, on TSN. I would be spellbound listening to Nick Bockwinkle speak to this. This day, I would still bring up videos on YouTube just to listen to Nick Bockwinkle say something because he was so intelligent. Mm-hmm. He, you know, his words were so crisp. He knew exactly what to say without having to yell or scream or whatever. But he made a point of, "I am better than you. I am going to beat you. You're lucky to be in the ring with me." Yeah, you know, and it's like. Oh my God, that's that's intelligence. And that's some of the things I used to get from watching wrestling. It wasn't so much just the action and the things that you saw there, but it was just the fact how these guys communicated with each other mm-hmm. and how they communicated with the audience. And I kind of picked up some of that kind of stuff for being an on-air personality. And I use that in the same way also. There's a way that you can talk to people who you don't know but somehow, in a matter of minutes, be able to bring them in. Oh, yeah. And then let them know what you're doing so they will come along. You get that from wrestling, man. Yeah. It, old, old, well, let me rephrase that. Old, old school, school wrestling. wrestling. Not the scripted crap that's going on now. No, it's so funny. Like, when you look at, like, with Bobby the Brain Heenan passing oh, lately, yeah. I've been watching a lot of Bobby Heenan interviews and promo and a lot of his stuff, and none of that was scripted. That was all Bobby just going, and it was like, today, some things are so scripted until, you know, I guess John Cena, he can go off script, but you have to stick to the script on the, on the thing, and... It's just, it's insane. But even also you talked about like, you know, you see Harley Race walk in with his <sighs> NWA title. That's what I love about the independent scene is that Cody Rhodes can walk into New Japan wearing his Ring of Honor title. And it is just as honorable as the, as the New Japan titles. They respect the other titles. And I think that's great. I love what Cody Rhodes is doing. I think one of the smartest things he did was leave the WWE mm-hmm. uh, to get out there to uh, reclaim 
his character, who he is, what he's about. He's shown that he's a fantastic wrestler. He's shown that he can bring the audience in yeah. with his ability. I was lucky enough to interview Cody Rhodes over the phone. And one of the things I remember asking him about is why didn't you follow along the same path as your dad, meaning his style. And because as you know, a lot of the young wrestlers, when they get into wrestling, if their mm. dads or whoever is in it, they'll sort of copy almost the exact same yeah, thing. Well, they Dustin asked. tried that. Exactly. Dustin, exactly. Dustin, the natural roads, in NWA and when he first came to WWE, he was just trying to be young Dusty. Exactly. Dusty's shadow is too big. It's not going to work. Like, and and that's why Gold Dust is such a way better character and a way better wrestler than, than Dustin Rhodes could have ever been. Absolutely agree with you. And that's one of the things that Cody said. He said, look, I'm not 300 and some odd pounds, nor do I want to be. That's my dad. You know, my dad had that rap. That's not me. I'm young. I'm a good looking guy. I can wrestle. I want to show my abilities, not just on the microphone, but what I can do in the ring. And he's showing it right now. I'll tell you right now, you know, the WWE is sitting there going, okay, when do you think we can get Cody back? And you know what? The longer Cody stays out, the bigger he's going to be when he of does course. go back. Of course. And, you know, it's just like, I don't want him to go back right away. I want Same more here. guys to leave WWE to I, go out there. I want Dolph Ziggler to leave. Why isn't he gone? You know, I, again, here's another guy who I've, I've spoken to many, many times. And, well, first off, I told him I hated his name, Dolph Ziggler, because it still sounds like a porn name to <laughs> yeah. me. But this guy should be a world champion. Mm -hmm. But because of whatever the writers have done and whatever stupid storylines they keep giving him, he, he's not even on that main roster. He's lower than that right now. Yeah. He needs to go get back on the independent, head to Japan. He's going to make a ton of money. And as I agree with you, too, come back a couple of years later, he's going to be bigger than anything else. I think so. I think so too. And like there, yeah, it was, or it's even like, you know, and we've had con this conversation before on other shows and stuff like that. And it's like, if they can bring guys up from NXT, they should be able to ship them down. You know, like NXT is more than a feeder league. To me, it's the best product that they have. Absolutely agree with you. Ted DiBiase told me, he's like, imagine that the one hour wrestling show is the best one that focuses on the sport, you know? But it's not just the sport. It's the old school style That's sport. That's what I love about that, it. Exactly. I miss watching wrestling. I mean, I know. Okay, great. It's in the arenas and whatever else. Fantastic. I miss the studio wrestling where you had maybe about a hundred or so people in there, but they were louder and more passion than 20,000 people sitting at the ACC for a Raw or SmackDown yeah. show. I miss that. I miss where you had the commentator over at the side and that wrestler comes out from the back and he's yelling about something and then somebody else comes out and he jumps him and they're just fighting across the floor and into the audience that's the kind of stuff i miss not where everybody is so far away and you're lucky enough if you don't have your camera out to zoom in you can't see what's going on i, I agree with that too you know it's just like just keep it simple yeah sometimes like not everything has to be in the big you know and that's what i love about nxt it's in that small little full sale arena yeah and it's perfect sometimes i don't like the audience though like i figure sometimes they try to hijack the shows with their chant and their sing-alongs but other than that 
yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Like, just, I liked it as simple as it is. And that's why I watch more independent wrestling mm-hmm. because the budget is low. You know, the, 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 it looks like 80s wrestling. You know, these guys are not in the best, best shape. Every now and again, you got a guy that's in great shape. But um, there's, every now and again, I think Saturday mornings, you can get some Newfoundland wrestling on the oh, Newfoundland channel. I love that. And, uh, and George Cannon. Oh, and it's, and it's so good. And they had Cole. Caban up there for a few episodes and it's just in a small little um oh it's crazy i'm very excited um so next month actually actually this is gonna air next week so uh yeah in like two weeks mm-hmm. from when this airs uh i'm going down to la to go to a pwg pro wrestling gorilla card at the, at the legion um i'm gonna be going with uh, my buddy uh, matt, Mark, matt mccarthy i believe uh it's all in the works of happening but this is like it's in a small little legion with no air conditioning (laughs) and you know it's just packed with people maybe 300 people at the most but it's packed and everybody you know you have to go wait and sit outside even though you have a ticket you have to sit outside because you want to get your best seat and my buddy is usually ringside and it action always spills into the ringside and everywhere and I'm expecting this to be my best wrestling experience in my life. Um, what is, like, live, as far as what you witnessed in wrestling, what is your best wrestling experience? Like, what was the, the best thing that you've ever seen live? Oh, my goodness. Live. That's a good one. There have been a couple of them. I mean, what stands out in my head would be, oh, Sergeant Slaughter and Don Cranoodle against Jimmy uh, Jay Youngblood and Ricky Steamboat for the NWA title cage match, Maple Leaf Gardens, and Youngblood and Steamboat win the belts. That was awesome. I have read about that match, maybe not in Madison Square Garden, but in the in the magazines, I've read about the history of their feud and how bloody it was. It was. And how like how great of a tag team was Youngblood and Steamboat. Because oh, a lot perfect. of people don't remember. Like they look like brothers. They were the perfect combination of speed and strength. Uh, the fact that Steamboat was, I consider, a freak of nature, okay? Because Steamboat was so quick. He was a high flyer, and he was so strong. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to, and he was one of the first times when you had a chance to see one wrestler pick up another wrestler. But usually if you saw somebody pick up another wrestler, it was just to, you know, throw them aside. This time they used it, of course, in a tag team. This is before the Bulldogs were doing yeah. it, okay? That he would pick up... Youngblood and drop him on his fallen opponent. One, two, three. They were quick. The girls loved them, of course, too. Yeah. They were just so great. I do believe, and if I'm correct, they won that belt, what, five different times? Yeah, I think so. Um, but they were man, like one of the greatest tag teams of the early 80s. Oh, my goodness. Absolutely. I mean... And people forget because Ricky Steamboat went on to become such a brilliant uh, singles performer. Yeah, and Steamboat, I mean, Steamboat tagged up with a lot of guys. He did tag up with Snooki. He tagged up. He held the uh, title with Paul Jones at one point, and of course, Paul Jones uh, turned on him too. But no, Youngblood and Steamboat, the fact that they're not in the Hall of Fame yet surprises me. Mm-hmm. Uh, they deserve to be there because there are a lot of times people will reference you want to see a good tag team. Look at those two. They're the perfect combination. I will say it again. This is before the Bulldogs, okay? Because to me, the Bulldogs kind of follow that same path. 
it's so funny because there's young blood and steamboat's actual name was richard blood yeah exactly he had he already had a wrestling name <laughs> but, but it's like you don't want to go with richard blood because eventually if you're a bad guy the fans are going to start chanting dick blood and then you don't want to be dick blood like oh no dick blood you got to go get that checked yeah and, and the funny thing too is uh, jay youngblood of course he uh he wasn't native american mm-hmm. uh in fact i do believe he was latin uh, if I'm correct on that too, yeah. Um, but you know what? It was it was fun watching them, and I even remember too that uh, Jay Youngblood used to team with his younger brother at one point too. Yes, and he used to wrestle out in uh, out in Vancouver, uh, and he did really well over there too. Uh, but when you were asking me again about like certain wrestling matches, yeah, believe it or not, the other one that stands out in my head was The Rock. And Hulk Hogan at Rogers, at Rogers Center WrestleMania. And the reason why was because, of course, I was in the audience. I was actually covering it for my old station, 680 News. And um, there have been very few times where I've felt energy in that place. Yeah. Now, that wrestling WrestleMania wasn't all that great. Uh, in fact, I think it was probably one of the worst. But that moment, even before they touched each other, mm-hmm. To see the transition, what was going on from here's the rock supposed to be the good guy and Hulk Hogan of the reformed NWO is the bad guy. Yeah. Coming into Hulk country, which is Canada, A which is Toronto. Don't, didn't realize that. Now, to me, there was no doubt in my mind that yeah. Hogan, like Hogan's not going to get booed in Toronto. No. He's Hulk Hogan. He's 78,000. Exactly. He's, he's, he's sold at the Sky Dome, WrestleMania 6. Exactly. He's, he's here once a month with Jack Tunney through the 80s. Exactly. People don't realize that. No. And then the and then he goes to WCW, and he never comes back. No. He never comes back to Toronto. And then the WCW gets eaten up by WWE, and eventually they bring back the NWO. Well, guess who's coming back to Toronto? Hulk Hogan. This is his second city for him. Yeah, like his second hometown. Absolutely. And so, and yeah, so exactly. So as you were saying, you were there. So to feel and see that energy literally being transferred over from The Rock to Hogan before they touched each other. And I think it's like five minutes of yeah. doing nothing except standing there was an amazing experience, not just to watch, but to feel. To feel. It was crazy. The only other time I've ever felt anything like that was when um, the UFC first uh, came to uh, to Toronto, Rogerson yeah. for the first time. I mean, it was just like you're just sitting there going, "What is going on here?" Energy is an amazing thing. Like it, it, is. it, it can create, you know, like if a situation comes and the energy is such, is such an amaz- so amazing, um, you know, and all of a sudden you get goosebumps or yeah. the hair stands up in the back of your neck, yeah. you know, like. That kind of stuff blows my mind. Yeah. And yeah. it just happened to me a couple weeks ago, just for laughs, here in Toronto. You know, um, my, I'm, I'm working on a show with my friend Roy Scoville, and unannounced to the crowd. Now, I knew about it, a secret. Uh, Amy Schumer does a drop-in. She's not even in Toronto. She's not part of the festival. She flew in on her own dime, put herself up, dropped in on her show. When I introduced her, the crowd energy popped so much wow. people started cheering standing and i walked off the stage with goosebumps it was amazing uh that's never you know you know, like i talk, i think i even i'm still spellbound by it and this was like you know when this episode airs it'll be two weeks have gone by since it's happened but you know i mentioned in last week's episode and i mentioned again in this episode it's a, it's a energy 
positive energy is amazing it is it's an amazing thing it is it is so that's fantastic so that's i'm just so jealous because you've seen so many great matches i've you know i've been lucky uh i've i've been to a lot of great matches i've met a lot of wrestlers Mm -hmm. from the young cena to uh you know Orton, uh, Ric Flair. You now, know? How was how was it like interviewing or meeting Ric Flair? Uh, first time I met him, it was like what you just said, the goosebumps. Because yeah. Ric Flair is my favorite wrestler. Period. Is the Nature Boy. First time I met him, it was just sort of like in a uh, sort of like a, a group of people around. My friend said, "Okay, you're going to meet Ric Flair," and I got a chance to maybe ask him a couple of questions for a very very quick interview. And then I just told him, "Look, just so you know, you're like my hero." And some other guy jumps in, going, "Hey, hero too." So we we took a quick picture, and I'm like, "In awe." Uh, I think it was a year or so later when he released his book. Mm-hmm. He came to the radio station. Now I got a chance to sit down and talk to him. I'm tongue-tied. Yeah. Because I've got the nature boy here. So I don't even know what questions I'm asking him. But two cool things happened in that interview. Well, three, other than getting the picture with him. Oh, four. He signed my Ric Flair doll that I have in a glass case. Awesome. Uh, and it nobody touches it. We did a piece where he taught me how to woo. That's great. Rick Blair teaching me how to woo. And the last thing was I asked him, I said, look, I live by the motto, the four horsemen. Do be whatever you want to be, but be the best. Yeah. I was a massive four horsemen fan. Yeah, me too. I asked him, could I be an honorary member? He said, you are an honorary member. You are in my friend. Yeah, there you go. I am an honorary member of the Four Horsemen. So I can show the four fingers and I can say, yes, I am part of that. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, we got another picture again. And it was just like, wow. You know, you grow up, you see these guys on television. I mean, I used to I used to phone up uh, Atlanta. You know, trying to find out, did uh, did Luger beat Ric Flair, you know? And yeah. um, Gene Anderson would pick up the phone and he'd be like, well, you got to go on our wrestling hotline. And I'm like, no, I need to know. I'm at a radio station. No, he didn't beat Flair. And I'm like, okay, great. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, to finally get a chance to meet Flair and him to be able to say, yeah, I am an honorary member of the Four Horsemen, I, you know, Listen to me. I, you know, I'm 53 yeah. years old, and I'm still like, wow. <laughs> That's what I mean by like you, which is one of the big reasons why I love your show. You are a true wrestling fan. Yes. You know, um, I consider myself a true wrestling fan. They're wrestling fans, yeah, but then they're the purists like ourselves oh, yeah. who understand when we say in a situation like that happens, you go, wow. You know the goosebumps. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's so great. You're an honorary member of the Horsemen. It's fantastic. Actually, I'm honorary member of the Horsemen and the NWO. Oh, you got the NWO as well. Yeah. Well, that's. Oh my God, Ben Miner was on last week. He's an honorary member of the Bushwhackers. Oh wow. Well, they licked his head. Oh okay. No, uh, Kevin Nash made me an honorary member because I had a red Wolfpack yeah. NWO T-shirt that I still have. Yes. And when I interviewed him about it. I asked him, too. I said, look, man, I got the T-shirt. What do you think? He goes, you want to be an honorary member? He said, I said, yeah, you're an honorary member of the NWO. That's how easy it is. That's how easy it is. That's why the NWO got so out of control. <laughs> exactly. Way too many members. 
I bet you every night Kevin Nash's like, you get me another glass of wine. <laughs> You're an honorary member of the NWO. Exactly. So, yeah. So, I am an honorary member of the Four Horsemen and the NWO. Oh, man. I'm not an honorary member of shit. Uh, we'll, get you, we'll get you in there. We'll get me in there we'll somewhere. We'll get you in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That would be fantastic. I'm like, I am a replacement member in the Nation of Domination. I don't know how that works. I'm the new I'm the new Owen, maybe. I don't know. But I mean, like, Owen all of a sudden was in the Nation of Domination. It's like, why? Well, you're the Blackheart. So you're with the rest of these guys. It made no sense whatsoever that he was with them. Uh um, don't get me started. Look, I can oh, I can get into that whole Akeem the African Dream too nonsense. Oh my God! How like uh, <laughs> actually? Ken Reed was on the show, and Ken Reed said one of the funniest things. He said Slick was such a good manager that his wrestlers came into his music. <laughs> And I was like, oh, my God, you're right. Yeah. And uh, but when he's like, it was Slick's endorsement. He's like, I don't like the one man game, so I'm going to make you a king. It is so ridiculous. It's still ridiculous to this day. And every now and again, my favorite T-shirt, and this might be offensive to some people, but the best wrestling T-shirt I've ever saw is is Akeem and the big boss man. (laughs) And underneath it, it just says, uh, never forget. <laughs> that is to me if you don't get it you, you i'm not gonna explain don't. it but to me that is the best wrestling t-shirt ever and i'm yeah. probably gonna buy it at some point just not wear it in september no, or in new york i get but anywhere else i'm good yeah <laughs> it's such a fantastic t-shirt did you ever so you had that we talked about the hulkamania t-shirt yeah did you have any other favorite t-shirts or did you have any other wrestling t-shirts that you were partial to growing up what was your, like, or what do you think were the greatest wrestling t-shirts of all time Okay, let's go to the Hulkamania t-shirt. because I love that, it. Okay, I actually have a t-shirt signed by Hogan, but it's one of those where Hogan had, you know, when they cut it and ripped it up, yeah. and it says Maple Leaf Gardens, and it has a date on it when Hogan was supposed to come back. I ran into Hogan. We had a great conversation. He signed it. So that is like my favorite t-shirt. The other t-shirt I used to like, which they stopped making, was do you remember in the beginning when he used to have the American Made T-shirt. Yes. It was a white T-shirt. White. It was white T-shirt with red trim. Yeah. And the American made and yeah. the flag across the front. Yeah. I love that T-shirt. I don't even know why they stopped doing that. I'm surprised they're not remaking them on. They're probably available on Pro Wrestling Tees right now. Well, they should. The other one uh, will will always go down. The NWO T-shirts. The I mean, NWO they were, were fantastic. They were all over the place. When you're watching the American Music Awards and you see an artist walking up and he's got an NWO t-shirt, yeah. that says enough, you know? And they had so many different styles of it, too. Another one I really loved, do you remember when Randy Savage left the NWO? Mm-hmm. And... It was a picture of Randy Savage. It was black and white, and he looked like he was in this little cage. Yes. It was just a cage, and you just saw his face, and he was just holding the cage. Yeah. Loved, loved that T-shirt. Um, for me, uh, oh, my God, so many wrestling. I love wrestling T-shirts. I never had a regular Hulkamania shirt. I never got one of those, but I've always, I always liked the red one with the, with the Hulkamania yellow yeah. lettering. I have two purple macho man with the glasses Mm. Uh, vintage ones i have two of those 
Uh, there's so many other shirts I love. I like something as simple as like Strike Force. Yeah. There's the Strike Force across the front with the with the with the red trim. Um, I was also a fan of the the British Bulldogs the, with the flag with the bulldog in the middle. Um, I used to love when I'd get WWF magazine and I'd flip it over to the catalog and look at the t-shirts and be like, Oh my God, I want this t-shirt so bad. Um, but then, uh, as the time went by, obviously stone cold Austin 316 shirt. I've had maybe two of them. I had the Austin 316, the original, I had the Austin 316, the red blood one where it's blood from a stone where Bret Hart had him in the sharpshoot that, that, his face is crimson. I love that shirt. I had SCU Stone Cold University. I had a lot of Stone Cold t-shirts in the 90s, as well as a few DX t-shirts, uh, maybe three ECW shirts. Yeah, and then now, um, maybe I've got two Kevin Owens shirts. I've got uh, Kurt Angle. I, I just, I like Bret, many Bret Hart shirts. I, I love wearing wrestling shirts out because you'll be walking. And then every now and again, somebody be like, great shirt. You know, like I wear a New Japan wrestling shirt. And, you know, it's like, hey, Asian guys don't talk to me when I'm walking down the street any other reason. But every now and again, I'll be like, you know, nice shirt. And I, I'm like, yeah, you know, like, hey, that just brought us together. The Bullet Club. The Bullet Club. The t-shirt. I have a Bullet Club t-shirt, obviously. I see, like... You can tell the guys aren't even wrestling fans. You can tell the bull, the Bullet Club shirts to me is like the NWO. I shirts. think it's like the new NWO. Yeah, yeah it's that definitely people. It just looks cool. It looks right. You don't know what it is. It could be a rap group. So it looks like a rap group shirt. I don't know. Yeah, but it sounds badass, and yeah. I want to wear it. And I love going to Hot Topic, and they have all the Bullet Club <laughs> shirts. Because the shirt that I want to get next um, is I want. Cody Rhodes, the American Nightmare shirt. I love good. that. It's so great. Yeah, and I, I might want to get a villain one too of uh, Marty Squirrel. So, and of course, I love the Young Bucks too. So, you know, I, I'm just, I got to stay at a hot topic, is what I'm saying. Otherwise, you're going to just start taking my money. I've got one other one that you would love. It's a hockey jersey. But it's an ECW hockey jersey. Oh, that would be style. wickedly cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've got I've got that. But you know, you know, when you're talking about t-shirts and stuff, the thing that you know the, the wrestling fan today has access to that I didn't, you didn't, were the wrestling belts. Yes. Um, because when I was a kid, probably like you, Cena did it. Anybody I've spoken to all did it. We made our own belts yeah i made i made a championship belt last weekend at 12 30 at night <laughs> when i was baked because i realized i won ten thousand dollars in a comedy competition uh, in bradford congratulations thank you and i realized i can't carry this giant check around like owen carries the slammies <laughs> i need something out there that i can go out to the comedy club and be like i'm a champion <laughs> so i made and obviously i also love gags and my roommate is another comedian who's also a wrestling fan. So um, I had I cooked a pizza one night and I had the pizza the cardboard from underneath. <laughs> it was just a perfect circle. I'm like, and I was like looking at I'm like, well, God damn, I'm, I'm making myself a wrestling belt out of that. I grabbed the tinfoil, the markers, and I went into my room and then I walked out with it on a title, on a belt. And I, it says Brantford Comedy Fest Champion. I did, I'm 43 years old. <laughs> 
lonely on a Saturday night, <laughs> midnight, cruising Tinder, making championship titles. <laughs> what a loser I am. But, no. Hey, I got the... But that's the thing. We had to make our belts. We had to make my belt I made when I was about, I think, 10 or 11 years old. I was able to get a long piece of vinyl. Yes. Okay. I cut that and... I was able to, my dad, who was a welder, uh, he had this really thin metal sheet that, you know, you got those metal scissors. Yeah. I was able to cut a shape that looked very much like the AWA belt. I actually used a bottle to sort of trace around that curved part. Yeah. Ruler straight. And then the curved part again, I cut that. Then I was really creative with this. Then I went to uh, sort of like one of those uh, stores where you can get, you know, those sticker lettering mm-hmm. uh, that you can do where you can like, it has AAA, BBB that you can pull off, you can stick on stuff. Yeah, yeah, totally. I got gold ones because the metal was silver. So yeah. I got that. And I was able to cut out an eagle because most of these championships either had a, uh, you know, the globe, the the yeah, world. Globe, or roses, or, or eagles. Or eagles. So yeah. I cut an eagle out and I put that. I, I got, you know, heavy tape and I glued it all on. And uh, then I was able to take a screwdriver and a screw and screw it through the metal. Like it was all coming together yeah. right down to the point where I could make a hook behind me to put this belt around me i had the sides done too so it was uh you know metal sides and everything i my dad of course like i said was a welder so i was able to spray paint the uh inside of it so it was gold the eagle was gold mm-hmm. silver you had the writing world heavyweight champion wrestling i put this on and my dad looked at it and he went i can't believe you did that like he was actually proud of me because i was so creative in making this and i took it to maple leaf gardens once and i remember everybody looking at me going where did you get that like they thought that i bought it off somewhere i was like no i made it now of course you can go and you can order any belt that you want the first thing about that story is i realized that my belt at 43 is shit (laughs) (laughs) ah man i was so happy with tinfoil on a pizza with pizza square but now you got you got welding you got you grabbing eagles uh, you know that's what? amazing no, that you is know really what? amazing I was just and I think I still have I think it's over at my parents place I gotta look for this thing because I know I never got rid of it so it has to be somewhere around but it was just one of those and, and the cool thing was because the uh, metal was so sort of like loose it would bend around me. That's fantastic. You know, so I could actually put it on. And, you know, when nobody was in the house, I'd stand in front of, you know, the mirror and I'd do the poses. Yeah. I'd do the uh, Ric Flair NWA pose holding the belt. You know, I'd put oh, it over my put, shoulder. Throw, throw that suit jacket on oh, yeah. and hold it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put on a suit and stood there in front of the mirror just holding my title. It was just like, <laughs> oh, man. It was just so much fun. Now, like you said, now people can pay two, three, four, five, thousand dollars or whatever. You know, get their belt. Yeah. But uh, they actually set up a concession just belts. With belts, yeah. And, and, and you no cash, credit cards, and, and debit. And they give you... Uh, to me, it's like, I know the belt is just a prop. Yeah, but to me, it's like this is the one thing that bothers me because I'm such a stickler. I'm like, I hate looking out and seeing 
everybody wearing the championship in the audience. Because what value does that give to Jinder's championship? I agree with you. Like, I'm like to me, it's like if it's just a prop, it's just a prop. Then, then sell it. But like, if you want the title to have value, stop selling them. Stop. I agree with I'm you. like, you should. You have to earn that title. Like, there are people that dream. I'm like, now everybody's a Ted DiBiase can just go buy their own title. I agree with you. You know, I get it. If you want to have a championship belt that you want to get autographed and maybe put in a, a case that would look amazing. And I would love something like that, but you'll never catch me wearing a store, like a WWE title. Look at my buddy bought the money in the bank briefcase. I held it the entire way home from the subway. <laughs> I absolutely loved it. I said, I said, this is something I would use in everyday life. I would go to interviews and be like, hold on. And I pull out the briefcase and crack it open and is that a money in the bank i'm like i'm not gonna waste it on you don't worry i was like i have other things besides my contract and when he bought it i was like open it up make sure that contract's in there and he's like there's no contract i'm like tell them there's no contract and so you'd be like but the money in the bank briefcase comes with the contract for a title shot so i'm gonna need that title shot contract i, I love it they even had money in the bank uh, lunch boxes for kids for a grade school so they'd have their money in the bank briefcase oh my god uh, as a lunchbox and i'm like oh my god so many kids are getting hit upside the head with a lunchbox <laughs> at lunch you know it's like is my ham out of here because smack you know oh man but it's just it's all part of it it's all you know the idea of making your belts and making your outfits like when you were a kid obviously you had a belt because did you wrestle in it like in, in like with your friends did I you never, do that I, you know that was a funny thing i never wrestled with it never wrestled with it all i did was pose with the belt yeah that was the only thing that mattered to me i just wanted to see myself standing i used to do my own interviews too i would sort of pretend i was the the announcer who was saying you know okay so uh you know this saturday or the sunday uh april whatever maple leaf gardens uh so-and-so is wrestling so and so-and-so is wrestling so and for the world title uh ricky steamboat the challenger is taking on rudy blair and i would walk into the mirror and i would do my my Entire you know promo. yeah just you know talking about you know Ricky Steamboat can't beat me, you know. I've been world champion for three years, you know, blah, 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 whatever. I, I just used to do that because I loved watching the interviews. Like I said, I loved the action. I loved I loved the drama. I loved the storylines because yeah. I never knew what was going to be said, what was going to happen. Um, but those interviews... Man, I just dug those interviews. Just hearing those wrestlers when you heard somebody... Like a Roddy Piper or a Ric Flair, who are or who I consider like, oh man, Arn Anderson, yes, giving a promo, and you're just like in awe and everything that he's saying. I've stolen his line many times. I'm like, I'm not one to toot my own horn, but toot toot, <laughs> toot. like you know how many times I've used that, like yeah. you know, you walk off stage after a great set. I'm like, I don't want to toot my own horn. I love that saying. I love that line. The Ric Flair, I'll tell you, my greatest Ric Flair memory, first of all, when they brought him up to the WWF, I loved the way they brought him in with the belt. Yeah. Acknowledging this is the real world champions. Humanoids, listen up. This is the real world championship belt. Not that belt that Hulk Hogan's been carrying around, you know, and that whole thing. And I knew that... Um, that his contract was up with WCW at the time. Uh, before the internet, there was something called... 
PWI weekly. Yeah. And I got it weekly. And I knew his contract was up September 1st. And I was going to see WWF Superstars tapings on the 8th of, of, of uh, September. And we all went, and me and my buddies. And sure enough, I was like, I think Ric Flair is going to be here. And my friends are like, Ric Flair's not going I'm, 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 to. I swear, it said he's done on the 1st. I'm like, you know, the belt is coming. We know he's probably going to be here. Mm-hmm. And then sure enough, he made his television debut in Ottawa, Ontario, and came out. And um, they'd already built up to the feud with Piper during the interviews. But he came out and he smacked Piper with that belt and head so hard that I could hear it. I w- that was at the at the one end of the rink. I was like center ice, probably like twenty rows up. The minute the two thousand and ten or two thousand one Space Odyssey music hit, you can see me off in the distance. I was with three guys. We we're all wearing oh, white t-shirts. Wow. You can see one of the white t-shirts just jump up, and I as soon as I heard that, I was like up with my fingers, <laughs> and like a lot of people don't even know who Ric Flair is, but I've been waiting my whole life to see Ric Flair. Like, I was a Hogan fan, but eventually you just got tired of Hogan doing the same match over and over. Like, maybe year four. By the time he was in WrestleMania six, I'd already been like, "Mm, but he's wrestling the Warrior, who I don't like because he's a terrible wrestler. I'm going to cheer for Hogan. But that was, but the next one, the next one, I I wasn't a big Hogan fan. I'd already moved on to Rick wrestlers, Rick flair. Bret Hart was already a big guy for me. Like, and then, and Bret Hart's my favorite of all time, but Rick flair is like in top five. Like I love Rick flair. And uh, I can't wait to see that ESPN 30 for 30. That's coming up in November. It's going to be sad. It's going to be a tearjerker. Well, you know, that's one of the reasons why these days I love uh, listening to those shoot interviews. Interviews. Yeah. It's amazing to hear what the wrestlers really have to say about other wrestlers, about situations that I grew up watching, and then hearing really what happened. In fact, uh, just uh, yesterday I was listening to the Rougeau brothers mm-hmm. talking about how when they beat up uh, the Dynamite Kid. Dynamite Kid, yes. You know, and it's great when you hear it from their perspective. I've read about it in Dynamite's book, and I've heard about it from the other side. Yeah, and what did they have to say about that? Well, they just talked about how they, you know, Don my kid. Well, as we all know, uh, was it what's his name who Davey caused? Boy? No, not David Boy. Who oh, started it? Mr. Perfect. It. Who Perfect. started it? Yeah. Yeah, and it was Mr. Perfect who started. The clothes. He cut up the clothes, and he was the jokester, and he mm-hmm. wanted to see these guys fighting each other. And you know, the fact that Dynamite Kid came in and uh, what was it was a Jacques uh, head he slapped in the back, and uh, when they were wrestling, yeah. he was he was getting a little Stiff. bit more, yeah, a lot more physical than he should have. So the Rougeau brothers are like, okay, look, you know, we're gonna we're gonna take care of this, and uh, the fact that they they got him alone finally, and it was like a punch in the mouth. And knocked out his poor teeth. Yeah. And, you used, to, um, used some brass knucks on him. Well, it wasn't brass knucks. Knuckle buster? Not, not knuckle busters. It's kind of funny because the Rougeau brothers don't say anything about it, but from what I understand, it was a roll of quarters in the hand. Yeah. And that's Vintage what knocked, AWA. Yeah. You know, and that's what knocked out his teeth and everything. And, uh, yeah, you know, I love listening to that stuff because, like I said, you know. You see what's going on, but then when you hear what's really going on, yeah. you know, 
I find that really, really fascinating. Like Ronnie Garvin talking about winning the world title and, you know, he hates Dusty Rhodes and, you know, it was Dusty. And, you know, you find out guys who love Dusty, hated Dusty. Dusty was this, Dusty was that. Uh, Ric Flair, love Ric Flair. Ric Flair held me back, this and that. It's it's really, really interesting. Oh, yeah, because there's so much politics and everything that goes on backstage. Yeah. Even you hear it right now, like, um, I love Chris Jericho's podcast and I love listening to Chris Jericho and uh, he talks about like you know back when we were wrestling back in the day in the era uh, the attitude there, he goes, you know, I wasn't, you know, Hunter and I did not get along. We did not like each other, but yeah. things have changed over the years. The same with The Rock. He's like, The Rock and I did not get along. Well, nobody were like, if you remember correctly, when Jericho first came to the WWE. Nobody liked him because he came him. from WCW. Came from WCW. He had this big mouth. He was shooting his mouth off. He was thinking he was doing things that were great. And the truth was, no, people were getting pissed off because he was saying a lot of things he shouldn't have. I think he even knocked... Uh, SmackDown at one point, yeah, uh, saying that you know it was the Bush League or whatever else, and it pissed off a lot of guys. But then again, he's thinking, oh no, I'm doing everything great, but nobody told him to knock it off, and that's yeah. McMahon's fault. But also, I think McMahon uh, likes to play guys against each other. I agree. You know what I mean? Like he likes to create rivalries. Yeah, he was like, let's get the you know because we'll get a better match if they you know they really want to outdo each other. You yeah. know, and and I think that's smart and it works a lot of ways um but you know it's like but look at the damage he did between brett and john you know like that's a lot of damage even like the the you know when they've made up they do that rivalry dvd where they sit down that interview it's very emotional it's emotional for brett and sean is just felt like sean you know he doesn't really own up to it all because like yeah i took a lot of drugs filled up i hated that whole thing that they did on television because okay so there's brett you know of course he made his deal with the wwe and he's you know saying okay let's make this uh you know let's make up and everything sean comes in and then sean does this thing basically saying well you deserved it kind of thing yeah i screwed you what blah 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 and then they hug yeah and i've interviewed brett many a time I can even remember when Brett would tell me how much he hated Sean mm -hmm. and the fact that how much he wanted to beat the crap out of Sean. Yes. So for Sean to say that to him in there, I can guarantee you there was a point where he was just like, I'm going to deck this little SOB, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. Sean Michaels, I'll tell you quickly, my first Sean Michaels story. This is when, of course, you know, with the click. Yeah. Sean was here in Toronto. It was next door to Maple Leaf Gardens, somewhere there where he was doing an autograph session. It was him and we'll call him Diesel, okay. Kevin Nash. And they were sitting there. And uh, I was there to do an interview and people were lined up. And one of the guys, the WWE guys who knew me says, hey, Rudy, why don't you just go over and get an autograph from Sean? I said, I want to jump in the line. He says, no, no, just don't worry. Sean knows. Just go over. All right. So I went over to said, Sean, do you mind autographing that? He goes, yeah, I'll autograph it. Why don't you get in line next time? And I went, uh, your buddy here told me to come over. And he goes, yeah, all right. And he swore at me. And I went, you know what? You, why don't you take that yourself? And I threw it back at him. Now, while this is going on, Nash is looking at me. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, now I used to work out, uh, and I was in good shape. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, if I get into anything with Sean, I might be able to handle that. Yeah. I might. 
Not Diesel. No, he's a Not monster. Diesel. No, he's a monster. So I backed off several years later. Two incidences. So I run into Sean. This is when Sean has changed. Yeah. We're sitting down and we're talking. We do an interview. And I mentioned that to Sean. I give him full credit. He apologized. He said, you know what? I was in my, wasn't in my head those days. You know what? I was just, I'm so sorry that happened. When I did my interview with Nash, I told him about that. And Nash was like, oh man, you know what? I took that bodyguard stuff way too serious. <laughs> you know, you're probably right. I was probably thinking I was going to deck you right there and then, you know. Oh my God, but, I can uh, only imagine. Uh, but he didn't. You know, and he made me an honorary NWO. Probably that's one of the other reasons why he did. But uh, I give Sean credit for my experience with him. Yes. He was an a-hole the first time I met him, but he was great the second time I met him. But that's still that thing between him and Sean, uh, between him and Bret Hart, as much as they show that these guys are buddies, whatever, yeah, that's way too deep. There was too many things. I can't, I could never see them just going, hey, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Yeah. The, the Montreal Screwjob was such a big event that has spawned conspiracies. And, and a lot, and like Kevin Nash has come out publicly and he thought it was a work. And just hearing that from your side, from about Brett with the angst and stuff like that, you know, I always wonder if it's a work or not. Um, cause if it is at work where it's, it's, it's like Andy Kaufman where, um, it's obviously the people that are working us, uh, it would have to just be two people and then it would f have filtered down and it would have to just be Brett and Vince that came up with the whole thing. And then they just pass it along to let other people think that they, you know, but it is possible, but I don't know. And then it's just, and it's crazy. It's, it's, um, it's crazy, man. People that I know that know Brad be like, no, if you know Brad, you know, it's, yeah, you no. know, it's, it's not, it's not a work. No, it's, it's not. It, it was for, for real. It was for real. And the reason why I say this is because the, the conversation, one of the, one of the last ones I had with him was actually over lunch. It was him, myself and a friend of mine. And this is of course, after when, after Owen had passed away and he was telling me some great stories about how Owen would do these practical jokes to yeah. his dad and stuff and um, to other people and because he was always a jokester and uh, he talked about Sean I didn't bring it up he talked yeah. about Sean and he called Sean some names and he said too you know like if I see Sean, I'll knock his, you know what, out. You know, yeah. so work? No. No, no it's, yeah. it's very much real. Brett doesn't have it in him to do works because even though some people didn't like it, he took his character very, 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 very seriously. Which one of the reasons why, for me personally, I respected him a lot. He brought wrestling back. To a point where, you know, we were so busy with those monsters and everything, and then a whole steroid scandal came in. Yeah. I mean, basically, you just saw two lumbering guys going at it for five minutes, which is one of the reasons why I love the NWA. Yeah. Because even though you had big guys, those big guys could wrestle. Um, Brett brought back wrestling. wrestling in the truest form and what it was supposed to be. So you could see that catch-catch going on. And, you know, I'm always going to have great respect. Brett will always be in that top 10 for me in one of the greatest wrestlers. Um, but also, from what I know of him, just a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Yeah, I've met him a few times, and he's been nothing but fantastic. And we'll head out on that. Where This is pretty much... Uh, we pretty much come to the hour or oh, the hour too and a bad. bit. I was and, having fun. Uh, 
And yeah, and it's been fantastic having you here, Rudy, and listening to all these stories. Um, where can we find you? Where uh, where can the fans of the show find you? Where are you uh, online? And stuff? Well, you know what? I've got my uh, Rudy Blair Entertainment Media, RudyBlairMedia.com website. Check out all my interviews on there. In fact, KO, there's an interview of him that I did, uh, Kevin Owen, who... Again, love Kevin, old school style. Yes. What a great villain. Fantastic uh, villain. He's doing everything right. And he's getting the push of a lifetime right he now. He deserves it. And I hope that he's going to have a world championship around his waist again very soon. Love him. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, yeah, just go there and, you know, you can find me on, you know, Facebook, uh, Instagram, Twitter, whatever else. Always got stuff going on. Anything going around in Toronto, anywhere going on around Canada check it out I'm there awesome uh, folks you can find me Casey Corbin uh, let's see this weekend I will be in Cranbrook BC oh my god the excitement uh, <laughs> I will be there uh, doing two shows at the Heritage Inn so you might want to come check that out are, are you going to have the belt with you with your maybe the belt will be there maybe the belt won't it all depends you know there's nothing I, I've always heard wrestlers complain about having to go through security with the title <laughs> And they pull it out of your bag. And they're like, what's this? And they want to get pictures. I don't need that happening to me at the Toronto airport. People are like, is this the Brantford Comedy Champion? I'm like, you're damn right it is. You better recognize. Oh, you didn't know? You know? Um, so, Cranbrook. I'll be out there. Uh, other than that, folks, um, let's see. Where else uh, can you uh, find me? Oh, jeepers. Uh, on Casey Corbin on all formats online. Comedian Casey Corbin for my Instagram. Um, Talking Wrestling Podcast Instagram. At TNW Pod on Twitter. Um, and drop a Gmail at us to Talking Wrestling uh, at Gmail. Hey, remember, please rate and review, subscribe, get yourself a postcard. That's all. Do you want to get yourself a vintage 80s postcard? Let's say uh, you're like, who do I like from the vintage 80s? Oh, I like the fabulous Freebirds. You get that postcard. That's very simple. That's the way you like the Road Warriors. You get that postcard. You like Bruiser Brody. You get that postcard. All you have to do, five-star review and a good uh, five-star rating. You get a postcard. Until then, folks, thank you uh, for tuning in on Talking Wrestling. And then let's put a headlock on your uh, uh, on your uh, ears for a little bit and uh we look forward to having you back real soon case gorman dog and wrestling never sleeps network thanks bye never sleeps network this has been a Never Sleeps Network production, executive produced by Alex Ross. For more information and content, visit NeverSleepsNetwork.com.